everyone. Welcome to CSUNS. CSUNS stands for Southeast Asian American Suns. This is the show for exploring the experiences of Southeast Asian Americans through the lens of two Southeast Asian American Suns. My name is Yang Lor and my co-host is JN. All right, so JN, today we're going to be um, using a text to discuss the experiences of Hmong Americans. And the text we're using is entitled uh, The Late Homecomer, a Hmong Family Memoir. Um, by Cal uh, Kalia Yang or Gao Kalia Ya. So she's a Hmong American writer. I'll briefly describe her book and I'll give um, our listeners a quick uh, biography of our author for today's episode. Um, so the, the late homecomer, this uh, is the description on the back of the book. Uh, In search of a place to call home, thousands of Hmong families made the journey from the war-torn jungles of Laos to the overcrowded refugee camps of Thailand and onward to America, but their history remains largely unknown. Driven to share her family's story after her grandmother's death, Gao Galia Yang's memoir is a tribute to the remarkable woman whose spirit held them all together. So this is um, the description for the late homecomer. Now I'm going to give uh, folks uh, a brief bow of who the, the author is. She's a very uh, renowned uh, Hmong American author. Uh, she's published uh, numerous books uh, as well as numerous uh, children's books. Okay. So Gao Kalia Yang is a Hmong American writer. She is the author of The Late Homecomer. Uh, she also has a new book that came out recently, The Song Poet. Uh, this is a tribute to her father. Uh, and this um, this story it was actually turned into an opera. And that's, I think, being produced currently up in Minnesota. Uh, she's also um, published another book, Somewhere in the Unknown World. Uh, she's also the author of the children's books, uh, A Map into the World, The Shared Room, The Most Beautiful Thing, and Yang Warriors. Um, she has co-edited the groundbreaking collection of uh, entitled What God is Honored Here, Writings on Miscarriage and Infant Loss by and for Native, Native Women and Women of Color. Um, her work has been recognized by a number of entities, including the National Endowment for the Arts, uh, the National Book Critics Circle Award, um, as well as Minnesota Book Awards. Uh, she currently lives in Minnesota, where she teaches uh, and also uh, speaks across the nation. All right, so we chose this book um, because it's uh, accessible. This is a book that I think anyone can read and find it uh, to be engaging um, and also to be a valuable book for learning about the experiences of Hmong American refugees. So just to give folks a brief um, background of who Hmong refugees are, Hmong people are not from Mongolia. Um, Hmong people uh, in this country, they're, uh, they're from the country of Laos. Uh, they fled Laos uh, in the aftermath of the Sikha War, which was an, an adjacent um, conflict that was happening parallel to the uh, Vietnam War. And so many refugees fled Laos into Thailand. Um, and so that's why you have people uh, like me, who were born in Thailand, um, but my parents are Hmong refugees from Laos. Uh, and then from Thailand, many of them immigrated to the U.S., as well as to France and Australia, uh, as well as other parts of the world. All right. So, Jason, give me your thoughts on this book. What stuck out to you? What did you learn about the, the Hmong American experience, uh, given that you are, are not Hmong yourself, but mm -hmm. you are children of refugees as well? So, I sure. suspect there might be things that were relatable, but things that are, are new or surprising to you uh, about the Mona America uh, experience. A lot of the takeaways I got were based on things I have uh, known from Hmong people, 
So where I grew up, it had a lot of Southeast Asian refugees and immigrants. And a lot of the Asians were either Vietnamese, Hmong, or Cambodian, which is funny because I'm from a small town and I think a lot of people might have just thought we were all Chinese or maybe Vietnamese. Mm. So a lot of my friends or people I knew or grew up with were uh, shared similar experience. Uh, but the Hmong people I was less familiar with just because uh, there isn't much of a shared history in the homeland. But I think one of the key takeaways for me in the book was, I mean, the information was there, but the way it was presented is what stood out. So I think a lot of the storytelling by the author was what gives a lot of imagination to the reader. This comes up with a different book that someone was criticizing because they're like, well, that person was way too young to remember all these things. But as I was reading this book, um, she also answered it in the back of the book about how do you locate the story if you weren't even born yet. And a lot of it was getting the information from the elders or from the community, but then describing it in the book. So some people might be overly critical saying, hey, she was way too young to remember those things. You know, the book is a lie or something like that. Um, that would be an inaccurate assessment just because I think in a literary style, you're gonna uh, find ways to integrate information, but also a way to describe the locations um, to the reader so that way they could understand the hardship, the pain, and the struggle. Uh, and I think the author does a great job doing that um, all throughout the book, but especially in the beginning, just because if people are unfamiliar with Laos or the jungle or the mountains uh, and also running uh, in the, under the cover at night, I think the descriptions and the personal tales really gives a lot of emotion to uh, the hardship. And then throughout the book, I think by being able to talk about locations of that, you know, in as far as contrast to uh, her growing up, I think that gives a lot of context as well, as far as the differences of the location and the people and things like that. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, kind of a description of the book, uh, but why it's so uh, popular and engaging, accessible. Um, it's just the way she writes. I think she she mm -hmm. really... Um, helps you to visualize those experiences. Um, you know, you, you, we, we weren't there, but we feel like we were there. Um, that's how well she writes um, and so eloquent um, yeah. and so accessible. Um, you know, she's using language that I think uh, the average Hmong American should be able to read. I think a lot of times when we think about history, history is really dry. Um, this yeah. is a book about, you know, essentially a history book, um, but um, it's written in a way where uh, anyone can understand it. Um, and, and the point you made about how much of this is accurate and uh, you know I, I think we often assume this is about this is not an autobiography about her we it, it comes across like that but it's actually she she even names it um it's a Hmong family memoir um so mm -hmm. it's not just from her perspective but she is actually collecting uh different people's experiences and viewpoints um and i think that just goes to who she is um you know in the book she describes herself as very shy uh, she's very shy, but she's also very curious about what's happening about around her. It just seems like a lot of typically sh shy kids, we, we've, because they don't often articulate their thoughts, we assume that they uh, don't know what's happening. But um, just like a lot of shy kids, um, she was very observant of the world. Um, she didn't speak much, but she was able to take in so much uh, around uh, of her surrounding. And, and she added material uh, through her conversations with her, her grandma, uh, a central figure in, in this uh, this book but also um, 
even though she was shy, she was not shy around her, her family. And so she was able to get a lot of information uh, through that way. There's a, a study guide or discussion questions in the back of the book, which is a great way, I think, for people to engage with the story uh, after they finish. So that way they can kind of analyze what it is they saw as well. Um, but that kind of leads me to my other point uh, or key takeaway that the grandma is a central figure in the book. And she really stands out just because uh, from the beginning all the way to the end, it's really a lot about her, uh, but also how the author relates to her. So for the most part, the way the relationship kind of develops helps tell the story. It's a good anchor. And grandma, for the most part, uh, you could say it's almost her book. Like if she was uneducated, if she was unable to write, then this was her voice. So I think that's what's great about being a storyteller or author, being able to uh, utilize your skill and then present uh, things that you know personally, but share it with others. So I felt like I knew the grandma. Um, I learned a lot about her, I guess, spoiler or fun fact, you know, she was like a shaman. So that was another aspect too. Cause you learn more about kind of like their approach to the world. So kind of like how the grandma would approach kind of maybe the spiritual aspect of life or uh, medicine. That was a unique take as far as uh, her experience. And I think the photos help tell the story too, in that you could see differences on how maybe Americans take photos and then how uh, traditional folks or refugees take their photos. So that gives you another kind of visual representation about uh, how different people respond to their environments. And, you know, and again, ideas of representation. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, the grandma's definitely one, um, like a key figure uh, throughout throughout this book. And I mean, considering just, just Hmong culture, how patriarchal it is, you know, oftentimes stories are passed down from, um, you know, the, the father figure. I'm here, we have a mother figure um, who is playing a central role in, in this in this narrative in this history? So it just goes to show, um, really recognizing um, the contributions of, of women in Hmong society as well. How, uh, in times of war, when the men are 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 off fighting, who keeps the family together? And the grandma was that figure, and and just goes to show that, uh, in the face of crisis, uh, people, um, in this case, the grandma um, shows up and keeps the family uh, together. So. Um, I think definitely it's, it's wonderful that um, the author Gal Galia um, used this book as a tribute to to her her grandmother. My last key takeaway is really just the view and perspective of the author. I think for me, uh, as a history buff or someone who enjoys reading history a lot, I understand uh, a little bit more. I think about the Secret War than a lot of typical Americans would. And for me, sometimes there are points she makes where it seems neutral or not so analytical as far as maybe the role of the U.S. or CIA as far as funding the conflict. So for the most part, I think because growing up, maybe the context is a little different uh, versus looking at it uh, retrospectively and with more data and more sources. So I don't hold it against her at all. It's just a matter of how how does the viewpoint get shaped based on experience, but also kind of where you are as far as 
maybe the narrative you're kind of telling. So that's just something that stands out to me. Um, I don't know if that's just accepted by most readers or if they're also thinking about that. But from my viewpoint, that's something that stands out. Yeah, and I think that's a valid point. Um, and I think it's important to understand too often when a book becomes very popular, that becomes like the only narrative about a particular group of people. And so it's important to recognize that um, as good as this book is, it has limitation. And I think people often um, use a book as a story for a group of people. And, and Galgala's book is really about her family's experience. And it does a really good job of describing the refugee experience. Um, but this should not be uh, perhaps confused for a history book um, this is really about a memoir of a family, and it does an excellent job of helping us to understand the refugee experience from Laos to Thailand to the U.S. So anybody interested in, I, I would say, Southeast Asian American refugee experience, uh, I would I would encourage them to read this book. Uh, this is not a very academic book, uh, which is great because that means that high school students and middle school students uh, can read about this and learn about their history or learn about uh, what their parents have had to go through. I, I definitely like that, but I think it's important for people to understand that uh, this book is, is uh, uh, one perspective about the Hmong American experience. And so try to consult other sources if you want to learn about um, a much more nuanced, a comprehensive understanding of Hmong history. This is a great uh, entry for anybody who uh, wants to learn about Hmong American identity that has very little knowledge. But definitely, if you want to learn about Hmong history and Hmong culture, uh, supplement this text with other uh, works uh, that gives you a much more complex understanding of, of culture, of history, uh, and those those issues. But I think overall, this is a wonderful text um, just to uh, introduce uh, people who aren't Hmong or even Hmong Americans who don't know about their history or their parents' experience um, to that topic. It's a very accessible, easy to read. I, I think she just does a great job of, of describing and it's not just about setting the scene, but she also brings out the emotions. I think as, as I was reading through this, I, I'm I'm in my 30s now and uh, been a, a very academic uh, as a scholar. I've uh, been in graduate school for the past uh, many years and I'm a professor. And sometimes we, um, you know, we're told to be as objective as possible, not, not to feel things. Um, but I couldn't help but feel a lot of the things she was describing um, just about the Hmong American experience, uh, talking about her grandma in the U.S. sitting by the windows, uh, working on her embroidery. And that reminded me of my grandma as well. And, you know, my grandma has passed away, but just brings back of just a flow of emotion uh, about life growing up and uh, some of the things that we, we took for granted um, that are now lost. And it's a reminder. This book is a reminder for us to collect our histories. She talked about how this book kind of started um, coming together when she was in college. She was recognizing that her grandma was um, getting weaker. And so um, she used those opportunities to collect those histories. And so I think she made a very excellent point towards the end of the book that it's when we remember death that we start remembering our, our lives. Um, and uh, I think that just goes to, to, to the importance of remembering who we are. Um, and sometimes we go through life without not thinking about it and then we get to a point where it might be too late unfortunately um, for her she recognized at a point uh, where uh, she was still able to um, collect those those stories and put it into this wonderful book that we all can read uh, and learn about her her family history but also uh, to some extent it also represents the the, the experiences of, of many Hmong refugees as well yeah and I guess to help conclude I feel like uh, a lot of the story 
It, it is visual. And in the book, she talks about how one of her teachers realized that talent in her. So the story is well told, but then also it helps inspire the reader because, you know, as you read it, you kind of think, you know, maybe I have an experience like this too. And maybe you can also do it you know, being able to put a story together. Not that it's easy, but if you have talent for it, you can certainly cultivate it and then um, tell a story that's really vivid as well. And I think for me, it was definitely very enjoyable and engaging book. I could definitely just um, sit down and read it without having to worry about taking notes or uh, what kind of information I need to get out of it. It's more of understanding what the experiences are and then getting through it in that way. And then um, I will say one other thing. There is an impression I was left with because the first Hmong uh, funeral I've been to was uh, for your father, Yang, and that was an experience. And then as she was describing it, I just kept thinking about it too, where I'm like, oh yeah, I understand all this. So I think if I didn't, uh, go to an actual funeral, then maybe um, I it wouldn't have felt as palpable. But by her describing it, it kind of really just put it all back together, just like sequentially too. So mm -hmm. I think that was a good job. I think throughout the book, it was very detail specific. And I think where she gives you like a a, a much larger perspective, it's the beginning of the book where she can describe what, how she learned what it meant to be Hmong. And so for her, what it meant to be Hmong was based on kind of her experiences and um, the stories she was told. And so uh, in the first few pages in the prologue, she talks about how for her, when she was a child, Hmong meant being contained because she grew up and she saw that her family uh, was contained, restricted behind some barbed wire fences within the refugee camps. Um, and then she talks about how um, she also, in this this key phrase keeps coming up in the prologue about how Hmong is skin deep. And, 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 and so she talks about many experiences and then she brings up this phrase, Hmong is skin deep. And that reminded me quite a bit about just uh, just what we're, we're dealing with in, in, in this country about the lack of representation, uh, the lack of knowledge about who we are um, by ourselves, but also by other people as well. We're told that we're Hmong Americans, but what does that actually mean? Do we know anything beyond just the fact that we're Hmong American? I think that could be a burden, but it could also be an opportunity for you to express who you are. Hmong Americans, are like let's say Cambodian Americans or perhaps Vietnamese Americans, where you are associated with the country. Um, and so Americans might have some understanding about what happened in those countries that forced the uh, migration of, of so many people to this country. Hmong Americans, when you say Hmong Americans, few people know what it is. And some might even interpret it as you're from Mongolia. And so it actually gives Hmong people an opportunity. Um, and so invisibility in this case could be could be a burden that you're trying to fight for visibility. Um, but I also think in the, in the case of, of Hmong Americans, it can also be a privilege in that you get to describe who you are. You get to, you know, it, you know, people ask you who you are. And so you have to be prepared to describe, give a history. And so I think for some Hmong children who grew up not knowing who they were, and they're often asked by outsiders who are Hmong Americans, they have to go back home and, and ask their parents who they are because no one knows who, who they are. And so invisibility gives um, people a chance to uh, put forth the narrative, um, but it also uh, encourages young kids to ask their parents about who they are because if other people are curious about them, then it gives them a chance to learn and articulate uh, this narrative. And so I think it that 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 kind of experience can also help you to 
and hence a person's uh, self-awareness or ethnic identity. Um, and and I, I do think that a lot of Hmong kids grow up with the, I would say, a strong sense of being a Hmong just because they f- they have this narrative about who they are. Uh, so their parents fought on behalf of the U.S. They, their parents sacrificed. Um, and that's why they're here in this country. So I, I, I just thought the, the quote about the phrase that Hmong is skin deep was just so powerful uh, to illustrate the invisibility of Hmong Americans in, in America. Uh, and I hope that we're at a point where, you know, Hmong American is, is they're no longer invisible. Unfortunately, uh, in the past, uh, there's been a lot of negativity about who Hmong Americans are. But more recently, we've seen uh, with, you know, Hmong people in, in the sports world or in the political realm that uh, we're beginning to see uh, positive role models. That when we hear about Hmong people, it's not about, let's say, uh, incidents like murder-suicide or many years ago, the Chai Ving uh, Hunter incident. Nowadays, when we hear about Hmong Americans, we typically hear positive news like Shane Tao, uh, the mayor of of Oakland, one of the biggest city um, in the U.S. Uh, she's Hmong American. Or we hear about Sunisa Lee, um, who won a gold medal uh, the, in the Olympics. Uh, she uh, was the first um, person, I believe, of Asian descent. So we're not just talking about Asian from America, but like uh, Asian person from across the world, the first person to win all-around gold medal. Um, so that I think uh, we're getting to a point where Hopefully, when I, my children grow up, they're not forced to kind of uh, come up with this narrative about who they are. But I, I do miss that because I feel like otherwise, other people are defining who they are. They, they don't get a chance to define who they are. Yeah, a lot of um, interest about your culture does come about maybe, I don't know, later in life, maybe just because sometimes you always just want to fit in when you're younger or that's like the more common approach where people are just like no you got a simulator approach but as you do kind of live in your skin become more comfortable with it i think you do kind of reach out more or you know want to know more about history so i think you know like you said that is a point that allows you to get in touch you know uh because a lot of times maybe we're aspiring to things that are not achievable or told or you know let's let's say false you know things that are false but if you are at least looking within and then reaching down and then kind of going back in the past too then for the most part it's already there the things that you need yeah 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 so i think identity development and how we um come to um learn about who we are but to embrace that um is i think another uh, important theme in this book too like yeah I, I was reading the book and you know like she she talks so much about the struggle of growing up among in the refugee camp and also in America, but at no point in the book was she ashamed of being a Hmong. And that's what I kind of like about this book was that she was not overly critical or judgmental. She's she's observant. She gives you what happened, and for the most part, that's she she leaves it at that because there could be a you know there could be a lot of moments where she could have been critical. Uh, uh, there's stories about the grandma asking the father to marry a, a new wife. Uh, because yeah. the mother didn't have a son or incidents like that um, and other incidents, whether it's like a discrimination that she faced as an English learner, um, it just came across as this is what happened, you know, uh, and um, and so you kind of get get to see it. You don't get the the, the judgment part of it. Um, but, yeah, she does an excellent job of just describing the struggles of growing up as a refugee, the trauma that she experienced, but also um, growing up, uh, you know, being put into English uh as a second language at courses and having teachers who don't understand you growing up in section eight housing and apartments and very poor areas, having to serve as a translator for your parents, um, going away to college, 
um, your parents putting their, their dreams on you, that pressure that comes along with that. So I think it's an amazing book that really encapsulates um, many of the different aspects of growing up as a refugee that I think was totally relatable to me um, being a refugee myself. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think this is a great book to learn about the refugee experience, but also the Hmong American uh, experience. So a couple questions for you I that just came up. Are you related to the author? Last name? Yeah, my, my first name is Yang. Um, first <laughs> last, yeah. But, you know, Hmong people, we're, we're always related. You know, it's like um, yeah. probably like a two to three uh, degree separation where it's like I probably, I probably, my mom probably knows somebody that's related to her. So, mm. uh, you know, Hmong people are very, very close in it. Um, so um, I don't know her personally, but I feel like if we were, re were able to retrace connections, <laughs> uh, we should be some, be able to find um, some close relatives that connect the both of us. Okay. Um, so the book is Late Homecomer. I can't help but read Hmong with home in it. So you can't spell uh, home without Hmong, but they tend to not have a home in that regard as a homeland. Can you speak to the point of um, home or homeland? Um, because there's the term home is where the heart is. And then if Hmong people don't have a homeland, is here their homeland or how does that? Yeah, you know, I think Hmong people are just, uh, they're just very adaptable. Um, okay. the, the history is a, it's a history of, of running away from oppression and repression. Wherever they live, they've been able to adapt. Um, and they fled from uh, Southern China into parts of Southeast Asia, uh, from parts of Southeast, uh, you know, from into Laos, Vietnam, and a lot of the Hmong, there's some Hmong people in Thailand nowadays that were also refugees and they've stayed there. I mm -hmm. mean, um, look at what happened in this country as well. When you are a people without a country, you just learn to be resilient, uh, adaptable um, for the sake of survival. And I think that's what we're, we're witnessing, just the fact that um, a people without a country, but with a very strong sense of identity, uh, they uh, they can thrive in many areas as long as they remember their history and their identity. So. I think that's what we're seeing here is, of course, there's that, always that yearning for a homeland. But I think more people have come to accept that because they don't have a country, there's no homeland. Um, there's always that hope for it. Sometimes when you don't have something to return to, mm -hmm. um, it forces you to just uh, embrace the situation, accept the situation. And so I think uh, that's what I'm seeing here uh, in America is um, there's no homeland for more people to return to. They can't go to Thailand, Laos. That's not their homeland. And so they've come to accept living in this country uh, fully, the acceptance enables you to uh, thrive in, in these sort of communities. Yeah. And as far as the physical aspect, uh, in the book, I think the grandma had descendants of up to, was it four generations? So like maybe two to 300 descendants. So I don't know how you can be any more rooted than that, having so many, uh, well, I would say they're so rooted that their branches are steadily growing very strong. So in that regard, you do have a a sizable population that can maintain its growth. Yeah, yeah. I think that puts another uh, important part about, you know, home is, is where your people is. At. It's not a physical environment, but it's where your people is. That If a lot of the people in your community and um, your family has arrived in this country, then this country is your home. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's still some Hmong people that have relatives back in Laos and Thailand. But for the most part, you know, the, the, the immediate families, the close family members have come to this country. And so this country now becomes your home because this this is where your community, your family is. All right. So on that note, we'll um, end this uh, episode. Um, any last remarks uh, for you, Jason? Yeah, I think we like to introduce our rating system. It's not exactly a rating system, but it's really just what we call what seasoning we provide, another play on seasons. But in this regard, it's what flavor 
uh, does this book kind of leave? <laughs> so what season does this get? For me, if you ask me what seasoning I would give this book, it would have the flavor of menthol. Um, if you haven't read the book, it, menthol was strongly what the author associated with her grandma as far as whenever she uh, hugged her, she would always smell the menthol and herbs along with um, hearing the clinking of change. So that's what I would give it. I'm not very good with ingredients. I don't cook that much, but I'll, <laughs> I'll give some uh, mong pepper, mong thai. It's like a Thai chili peppers. How many peppers would I give it? I think it's... It's hot, it's spicy, it's, uh, you learn a lot of things from it, so I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. Yeah. Excellent. So there you go. The flavors to leave your uh, mouth watering and, and pick up the book uh, to learn a little bit more about uh, what it is to be a refugee and growing up here in the United States. Yeah, don't forget to pick up, uh, pick up <laughs> the book, The Late Homecomer. If you haven't read it, if you've read it already, let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. right, and we'll see you in the next episode. Remind the audience what's in the next episode. We have a lot of topics coming up, but the very next one will be about AKA Don Bonus, a documentary. It was one of the first um, Cambodian American films out there. So uh, looking forward to reviewing it and then sharing it with you all. All right. So we'll see you all in the next episode. <laughs>